Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Hi, Omis. Registration is now open for our first back-in-person event since the pandemic. The 2022 I Believe Survivorship Seminar will take place this year in Nashville, Tennessee. Join Acure Insight along with Dr. David Reichstein, Tennessee Retina, top physicians and experts for two days of workshops and educational sessions chock full of info and tools to help you survive and thrive with an ocular melanoma diagnosis. Of course, we'll mix in a bit of Nashville-style fun along the way. For those attending in person, we hope to see you at our welcome reception the evening of October 13th, so please plan your travel accordingly. You can reserve your hotel room using the link provided at the time of registration, or you can book your own preferred nearby favorite hotel. If you're unable to attend in person during the registration, simply select attend from home as your option. If you plan to attend in person or online, please register as soon as possible using the link in the show notes or head to tinyurl.com slash I believe 2022. And that's I spelled E-Y-E. After you register, again, just be sure to finalize your travel plans and reserve your room at a hotel there or nearby. Please email contact at acureinsight.org with any registration questions. Share the news with your fellow Omis. We can't wait to finally see you again. Hi, and welcome back to the I Believe podcast. Uh, I am here, your host, Danae Peterson. I'm here with Jackie Stiles. She's actually here with me all the way from, are you in Missouri now? Yeah, Missouri. Okay. So Jackie is here with me from Missouri. Um, Jackie, thank you again for being here and, and just being willing to have this conversation. And I'm so excited just to be able to chat with you because we had, we had such a good conversation. So it'll be so fun. So let me just briefly introduce Jackie to you guys. She was actually diagnosed with ocular melanoma just over four years ago in December of 2017. Um, and just a little about her from her website. She's one of the most renowned basketball players in the history of the women's game. From her roots in Claflin, Kansas, she actually led the country in scoring And then to Missouri State University, she rewrote the NCAA women's basketball records uh, en route to leading the Lady Bears to the 2001 final tour. Um, She finally has, you know, kind of landed on a professional career in the WNBA, where she has inspired and impacted millions. Um, So Jackie, Jackie, I'm so glad I was able to just stumble across your account and talk with you uh, on social media and that you were so open to talking with me. Um, I was like floored and just honored that you even like messaged me back when I reached out on Instagram and you're like, here, just text me. I'm like, like, cool. You're like a celebrity. I feel like, I feel like I'm talking to a super famous person. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was so surprising and so just so genuine. And the way that, you know, we were able to have a phone conversation before, um, even before we committed to doing an interview. And then, and then of course, all the of like leading up to the interview to begin with, like just with everything I had going on. So I, I just appreciate your patience and your willingness so much for that uh, nice introduction. But uh, I know um, ocular melanoma is a rare cancer. And if I could help just one person by doing this interview, then it's well worth my time. 
Well, thank you again for being here. So let's just dive right in. Um, can you share a little bit about like the beginnings of your diagnosis? What led to being diagnosed kind of in the first place? Yeah. Um, so I was a basketball coach at the time at Missouri State, my alma mater. And uh, I remember it was November and I was driving some recruits around and it was you know dark and I, I was just having some trouble seeing. And I went home to uh, for Thanksgiving and my mom's a nurse and she tested my vision. She said, my left eye was um, a little worse than my right eye. She's like, you know, you might want to go to the eye doctor. And um, I thought, well, maybe I'll wait till next year because I hadn't clicked vision coverage on uh, my insurance. And so, but then I was in practice and I was really having a hard time catching basketballs. Like I had to focus to catch a ball and like that drove me crazy. I've never even had to think about uh, catching a ball. And so I called uh, the doctor on a Monday and we had a day off on a Wednesday. So we're in season at this point and, you know, it's pretty hectic. And I thought, okay, if they can get me in on this Wednesday, then, you know, I'll, I'll go see the doctor. And um, it gives the receptionist chills now at my doctor's office because she literally had a cancellation right before I called. Otherwise, there's no way in the world I would have been, been seen on that Wednesday. And um, when I went in to think, you know, for a doctor's, for an eye doctor's appointment of, you know, what I thought was that I'm going to get contacts or a LASIK touch up because I had LASIK surgery done and uh, like over 10 years ago. And, um, you know, little did I, you know, it just blew my mind that they said, you know, they couldn't correct my left eye. And, um, they were pretty certain it was um, ocular melanoma. And so, you know, I was say to shock at that point, because, you know, most often, often you're not thinking it's going to be something serious when you're going to the eye doctor, because it's such a rare cancer. But I, I was so grateful that they got me in. And then um, I got treated soon after that. It's really like, I mean, just listening to your story about this specific part of your diagnosis story, like, it's really just such a miracle that you were diagnosed in the first place and that they caught it when they did. Um, so that everything really lined up. Um, I know like, as I read through your story, when you said that to me, there were a few parts that you shared about like difficulty in getting treatment um, and like just some little insurance hiccups and different doctors. So can you walk us through what treatment treatment plan you chose and why you ended up um, doing that and who you ended up going to just kind of tell us, you know, what was this journey like to get past the diagnosis and through the treatment? Yeah. So um, the doctor in Springfield, you know, said, you know, he had never seen it firsthand in person. Um, and he wasn't going to even talk about treatment options or anything like that, because he said it'd been over 20 years since he had studied it. But he knew of a really good specialist in St. Louis, um, Dr. Brad Smith. And so I went down uh, to see him. Literally, I went to um, this was on a Wednesday. And I, I think I believe I got into him on a on a Friday. Um, and he concurred that it was uh, ocular melanoma. And so my um, uncle was as an eye doctor and he actually studied. Um, he went to school at the same time um, that the um, it's Dr. Shields is who is one of the most known doctors for ocular melanoma in Philly. And so he suggested that I go um, and see her just for a second opinion. So I went to Philly and um, she also said it's ocular melanoma. Um, and unfortunately, um, they would not take my secondary insurance. They wouldn't bill that because um, they legally don't have to bill your secondary insurance. And they were going to make me come up with $50,000 cash in a day um, to get treated. And, you know, really, it was more of a principal thing for me. I, I wasn't going to stand for that. And so I went back uh, to St. Louis and 
um, I then got on the schedule for plaque radiation with Dr. Brad Smith. And I'm just so grateful that I did because he knew my active lifestyle and my tumor was on my optic nerve and they were able to cut out a little notch. So they didn't radiate the optic nerve directly. Whereas in Philly, you know, I was more um, treated like, you know, kind of a more of a number and um, they were just going to, you know, uh, radiate my optic nerve and just knock out all my forward line of sight. So um, I'm very fortunate. I, I was in good hands with Dr. Bradley Smith, but it really opened my eyes to, you know, here I was, um, you know, young and halfway healthy at the time where I could make all these calls fighting for the proper treatment that I needed. But um, it, it really has opened my eyes to the struggles that people have to get life-saving treatment. I mean, you know, if this cancer isn't treated, it's, it's fatal. And, and it's just, uh, it's so sad that sometimes people can't get the proper treatment they need because of insurance issues. Oh, it's definitely a really hard thing to navigate. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, despite, despite maybe a, a less than positive experience on one end that you were, you were able to have an experience with the doctor that you chose. Um, and I'm really glad that everything ended up working out the way that it did. So, um, talk to us a little bit about plaque leak for you. Like, did you get to stay home? Were you at a hospital? Like, how did this look for you? Yeah, so I remember um, we went to uh, St. Louis um, on a Thursday, I believe. And then I had the surgery on Friday. And I knew then that I would be in a hospital until that following Thursday. Um, and I could only have 30 minutes um, of visitors a day because, you know, of the radiation, the plaque in, in my in my head. So um, my mom was there with me, um, but I thought to myself, there is no way in the world I can go six days without a workout because, you know, I'm not allowed out of that room. And so um, I actually decided to bring my bike trainer um, and I set it up in my hospital room. And I literally became kind of a, a famous room because um, all these doctors and nurses had to come and just look in my room to see if there was really an exercise bike in my treatment room. My mom was mortified. She did not want to walk with me into the doctors, uh, into the hospital with this bike and this trainer. She's like, I am not touching that. I'm not setting this up because she was just so <laughs> embarrassed. Like, you're, that. you're crazy. <laughs> Are you doing this? <laughs> yes. And I own that. I own my craziness. But, um, but yeah, so then I ended up um, having it removed on that Thursday and I actually um, drove home. And then the next day I, I went to work at, at Missouri State. I believe we had a game, you know, in two days and I, I was able to, to be at the game. And I honestly think that helped me recover, uh, just getting right back into my normal life and kind of not missing a beat and not just dwelling on my situation and focusing on helping others. And I think that, you know, kept me going and kept me positive. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it sounds like, you know, obviously that, that week is hard, um, on different, on different levels for all of us, but it sounds like despite, you know, the things that you ran into in your experience that you were, you know, like you said, able to just kind of bounce back and just, um, really just kind of focus on moving forward and, and your recovery so far um, has seemed like it's been really good. So um, just kind of before we move on to kind of moving forward after your plaque, um, did your doctor or maybe during your plaque, did your doctor end up doing a biopsy? Uh, so did you get those results in a timely manner? Um, like how did it look as you kind of completed the surgery side of the journey? 
Yeah, and I, and I will say that during the treatment, it was pretty rough at times. I, I was pretty sick during the treatment, but once they removed that radiation, I, I bounced back really fast. And um, I had a, a decision to make with the biopsy because my doctor, you know, I asked him, hey, if this is your daughter, you know, what decision are you making with this biopsy? Because of where my tumor was located, he was really concerned that he would damage my vision uh, further if he did the biopsy. And so he said he recommended not doing the biopsy and they would treat me like I had the most aggressive form of ocular melanoma. And so I go and get scanned every six months. So I made the decision um, not to get the biopsy done. Um, but I did when he was removing the plaque, um, I said, because I was awake and the, the second surgery is really pretty simple. Um, and he uh, I said, hey, would you take pictures of this process? Because uh, I get contacted a lot by a lot of people that are diagnosed with ocular melanoma. And since it's so rare, there's just not a lot of information out there about it. And so he did. And so I've sent those pictures to, to numerous people um, to help them um, through the journey. So crazy. And I, I feel like you've sent those pictures to me too. And they're like, it's totally trippy because I know that was, at least for me, that was a section of like you said, you know, having the plaque removal was significantly easier physically to go through than, than having the plaque insert, inserted and then for it to come out. Um, yes. But but I do remember like, I mean, I, I don't even know that I even thought of that. So I think that's so cool that you thought of that and that you asked him to do that. And then he was like, sure, like we can take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so key. Um, so, I mean, and also I just want to like make a plug, you know, kudos to your doctor really for, for continuing despite, you know, not having a biopsy for continuing to push for and to um, really just fight for you to have those scans every six months to monitor despite, you know, not having an actual biopsy to like back it up. Um, I think that's, that's a rare, a rare doctor that will do that and who will fight, who will fight for you because they understand the importance of those monitoring scans. Um, just to be like on the safe side of monitoring. So, okay, let's move forward a little bit. Obviously it's been a few years since your treatments. So what are some of the ways that your life has changed or maybe even been challenged by this diagnosis? Like, have you had to adjust with your vision? Um, how do you navigate those scans? You know, any, any positives and negatives or maybe just positives and challenges. I don't really, not really want to call them. Um, just kind of the things that you've had to navigate this last three, four years. Yeah, well, um, I'll start with the positives. And, you know, I wouldn't wish uh, this cancer on anyone. But, you know, when we're faced, we all face tough times. We all face adversity. And you just have to try to turn it into a positive and, and, and make the most out of it. And, you know, there have been um, blessings that have come from it. Um, you know, one, I'm so much more positive. I'm so much more present in my life. Um, you know, I, I am where, you know, my feet are, um, and, and that's been critical just in, in relationships and everything. Cause a lot of times we can get so caught up in, you know, the future and, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow. So it, it's definitely made me more present. And if, you know, I think to myself, if, if there is something I'm not doing, then why am I not doing it? And so, you know, it's gave, it's given me that. And I've really just prioritized things, you know, every day, did I live? Did I love? Did I make a difference? You know, and, you know, it just when you get that mortality blessing where every six months you are seeing if you're basically, you know, if your cancer spread or not, uh, it, it just really helps you prioritize things on on what is important. And then also the other positive was I was so touched by the outpour of support uh, when I was diagnosed um, from the thousands of cars that were sent to me to text messages to financial support. I mean, you name it. 
so many people came to my rescue and I, I was so touched by that. And I know I'll never be able to pay it back, but I was bound and determined to pay it forward. And so I always try to do one small act of kindness every single day. And I speak a lot to different organizations and I challenge always the audience to do the same because you just don't realize how that uplifts somebody or it helps them through a difficult time. Just a small gesture, whether it's a text, you know, a handwritten note, um, taking somebody to lunch, how meaningful that can be. And, and, you know, I get contacted by a lot of people that are diagnosed and that are scared. And I always want them to know that they're not alone and, and I'm on their team. and I'm always willing to take time to help um, in any way I can because so many people help me. And, and now I'm, um, you know, my vision wasn't affected for, you know, that bad for a lot of years until recently. And I've had a drastic decline uh, with my vision and I've started the injections. And, uh, you know, I will say those have been rough uh, for whatever reason. They haven't figured it out yet, but I've had four injections. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Hitch where his face swells up because he has an allergic reaction. But every single time my face is swelling up and I can't even op- I'm laughing, but it's not really funny. I, I can't even open my eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um so yeah um hopefully you know we'll figure out what i'm reacting to and i think might it might be the prep of those injections because the injection itself is not bad at all i i just am I'm reacting to something and so 24 hours after that it's been pretty miserable but i'm hoping that you know they can uh with these injections they can remove some of that fluid because i've had a lot of fluid build up here uh recently and you know i mean you know, there's things where, you know, like um, when I'm on the basketball court, sometimes I get nailed. I have a blind spot on my left side or, you know, I, I know we have this in common. I We like to take our mirrors off on our cars on one side. So, so yeah, yes, I mean, yes. there are things. But, you know, you sometimes just find a way, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this on air, but um, to get my driver's license, I could I could realize uh, I couldn't read the, the line I was supposed to read that was highlighted. So why she's typing in the information, I took a quick pick and memorized that line. And so I have a, a driver's license for another five years. But, you know, I, yeah, it's, a, it's um, you know, affected my life. But, you know, you got to sometimes just just laugh about it or, you know, just just try to stay positive and, and take it one day at a time when you go through those rough days, because really, what other choice do you have? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I completely feel, completely feel that. And like you said, like sometimes all we can do is laugh at ourselves because if we can at least laugh, like it, it alleviates at least some of that pressure. Um, I do want to touch a little bit about um, really just, just the impact, impact that you talked with reaching out to patients, with patients reaching out to you. Um, like it really is like such a gift. Like we, we have so few people who are diagnosed and, and so, um, really just so few ways to really link up with each other. And so the kind of the, the growth of the online community in general um, through social media, I feel like has been such a gift and it has the, it has the potential to continue to really be a huge like lifesaver just for, for emotional management of this and being able to navigate this kind of a diagnosis. Um, I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't even hardly believe it. I, I think it was about a year ago. I came across a woman who she had shared her journey on Facebook and somebody else tagged me knowing because I had posted about my journey with ocular melanoma, they tagged me in her post, and she was posting about, you know, basically being 20 years out from her diagnosis. So she was diagnosed when she was basically the same age as me, but she's now 20 years down the road. Um, so, you know, she's, I'm just thinking she's been someone who's felt 
all these fearful things. Right. And I reached out to her and just told her like, Hey, like, Hey, I've recently diagnosed, like, I just wanted to chat with you, kind of understand your journey a little bit better. And one of the things that she said to me that just really stuck out is she was told by her doctor at the time of treatment 20 years ago, you're probably never going to meet any, meet anyone like with the same diagnosis. It's so rare. So like, you're just never going to meet anyone. You're the only one that you're going to know in your life. And so she spent 20 years, even on social media, just never looking for any other person, even though we, we exist, you know, social media has been a tool we've used for easily at least five to 10 years. Um, and so when I connected with her, like, she just told me like the, the feeling that she had of just this, like, I don't know, just this sudden connection with someone who actually understood, like it was, it was flooring. Like it, it absolutely floored her. She was so emotional because she's fine and she's doing so well, but she's spent 20 years feeling alone and feeling scared by herself without any community support. So what I, I guess what I love telling the patient community, and I just, I reiterate this probably every podcast is just, just this idea that you never know if you see someone on social media, you never know if they've actually had some, some connection with another patient. And so I just, I try to make it a point like you do to just reach out and just let them know, Hey, I see you. I'm also a patient with ocular melanoma. If you want support, like I'm here, come join the online community if you want, but just know that you're not the only one. Um, and I, I love what, like kind of what you shared about how you just, you want to be able to pay that forward. And you want to, you want to make sure people know that there, there's somebody in there that gets it. Um, I feel like that's, I mean, it's such an impactful thing and it, and it feels, I guess I feel like it, I mean, do you feel this way? Like, I feel like it feels really good for me to be able to feel like, okay, despite this hard thing, I'm still trying to make something good come, come of it. Oh yes, absolutely. And what, what a cool story you just shared. Um, because just the thought of somebody feeling so alone for so long, just, you know, it hurts my heart and, you know, I, I would hate anyone to feel alone with this because it is uh, very tough, you know, you know, emotionally, especially with the scans every six months or how, you know, some people get them every year, um, you know, dealing with that. And so, you know, I think sometimes the unknown is, is one of the scariest things. So, you know, we've been through the treatment process. And so, you know, being able to kind of walk through some, a patient that's getting ready to experience that, I think it, it helps so much. Cause I know that's what was so scary for me is the unknown at first, like, you know, what is it like, you know, what is it like after? So, so just kind of being open and, and sharing that with people. Cause I think, you know, our greatest uh, legacy is every human life we can impact for the better. And, you know, I, I try to do that as much as I can in as many ways as I can. And uh, I'll never forget this. This was a, a one really positive thing that happened, even though my face swelled up, you know, twice the size after my last injection uh, here a week ago. Um, I went into the doctor's office and so I, I, they call my name, you know, to go back and start the process and, you know, uh, test my vision and the dilation and all that. And, and when they say my name, this lady runs out of her treatment room and gives me the biggest hug. And it just so happened that she was somebody that had contacted me and I had a phone call with her and I told her about my doctor and how great he was and, you know, his, his bedside manner, everything. And uh, she ended up making an appointment and we were at the doctor's office in the same day. And we both drive several hours to go to this doctor. So what are the odds that that happened? But, um, you know, I, I just, if anyone ever needs anything, they can always reach out to me at JackieStyles.com and, and I'm happy to help in any way I can to provide support. Oh, I love that. Um, 
I guess to kind of follow up with what, what you're offering here, um, if you were to be talking to someone specific, specifically uh, right now who's been recently diagnosed, what would be maybe three things you would suggest they focus on um, in the beginning and kind of the early days of their diagnosis? Yeah, um, you know, I would say one, uh, control what you can control. You know, so often, you know, we get uh, anxiety or stressed about things that are out of our control. So just focus on the things that can control that you can control. Um, stay positive. Uh, you know, always, I don't think it ever helps to be negative. Yes, it's okay to vent those feelings, but I just think if you can stay positive, that is always helpful. Um, and I've found when I've gone through different, different struggles in my life, if, if I cannot focus on my stress or my struggle and focus on helping others, how that, uh, lifts me uh, uh, through difficult times. So I would say those are a few. And then, oh, most importantly is, um, you know, find that support. I mean, you have to have support. You have to have people surrounding you to go through a, a difficult time. And, and don't be afraid to ask for help um, when, when you are struggling and going through, you know, this tough time. Oh, I love it. Um, and I guess kind of just to piggyback on what you said earlier today, I loved what you said about too, like to how, how helpful it was to just really focus on getting back to your everyday life and not let this be something that like keeps you down because like just, just not, not allowing the circumstance to have or to take up more space than it deserves basically. Yes. I mean, cause life is so precious and it's, it's so short and, you know, I just, I'm always been, I just want to make the most of every, every second I have. And so, you know, it's, it's not ever what I envisioned. And sometimes we have to pivot. I'll, I'll use still your word. Um, and, you know, but you can, oh, and when you want something you can, or you want to do something, you can always find a way. I mean, if you, if you want it bad enough, I mean, you, it might not look how you thought. Um, but I just think if you keep moving forward, keep moving forward, um, positive things will happen and um, it, it'll lift you and it'll give you this energy that you didn't know you have. And, and I, and I have seen that when I was um, asked to be the honorary chair of the relay for life, I ended up running 30 miles at this event because of the power of the energy surrounding me and all of us coming together um, for a purpose. So uh, I, I just think you got to just stay positive and keep moving forward. No, I think that's amazing. And like you said about pivoting, like I know we talked about this the last time, but just in general that the, that the person, um, it was, it was that principle that I told you about how the person with the most flexibility is the one who holds the most power. So in general in life, like when something comes our way and it, like you said, it doesn't go to the, it doesn't follow the expectations. Maybe we thought it would, um, to just focus on the ability to be flexible and to be you know, to be able to roll with it and to, to still move forward, to forward, despite not looking the way that you thought it would. Um, and that does, you know, that, like you said, that does take, that does take allowing space for those, those difficult emotions and allowing space for, you know, all the hard to come up, but it, I, it also just largely, largely means you don't live there. You don't stay there for the whole, like, that's not the end goal. Um, that's a place you pass through. It's not a place you stay. <laughs> um, Okay. So this is kind of a unique question for you just as someone who's an athletic coach and an athlete yourself. So what about, you know, since your diagnosis, what, what do you feel like has shifted in your mental game? Like how you show up to coaching or to playing? Like, do you feel like you show up differently as a coach or a player as a result of this diagnosis? 
Uh, definitely. I am, I'm so much more present in my relationships. Like, like I said earlier, you know, I am where my feet are. I mean, I, obviously I'm not perfect at it, but I, I really try. And I always just try to lead with love. Um, in, in any decision I'm making, is that the loving, um, uh, you know, what answer or is it, you know, not, you know, and just, I always just try to, uh, treat people with compassion. Um, and one of the rules I live by is, you know, I, I pretend like everybody that crosses my path is going to die by midnight. And if you, you have that in the back of your mind, no matter how somebody is treating you, you're always going to treat them with love and compassion and you're going to see them truly see them. So I, I think, um, that's really how it changes for the better. And my other rule that I, I live by, cause I think it's so incredibly important to listen and um, I try to um, listen to everybody like it's the first time I've heard them speak because I know sometimes some of our closest people in our life are the ones that we don't give our best, you know, and so I've tried to to really uh, change that um, because I've seen, you know, the people that really love me when I've gone through such difficult times, they've, they've been by my side, they've been in the trenches with me. So I, I try to always give them my best. I love that. I think those, both of those are just, I mean, those are just amazing ways to live. Um, okay. So this is kind of just a last open-ended question. Do you have like a favorite book or song, maybe a favorite quote or a podcast that you feel like helps pull you through? Um, I mean, oh, anything man. that comes to mind? Oh, well, this question is always so hard for me because there's so many things. And I think a lot has to do with timing of when you read things, but, um, a book that always, you know, stands out for me and impacted me. And it was just kind of, I read it when I was getting into college coaching is a lead for God's sake, but it's a powerful lesson for, for anyone in any um, career or going through anything. Cause really it just talks about putting people first, you know, prioritizing people, loving people. Um, so, and, you know, always doing your best. You might not feel like being there, but if you always give your best, you're going to win the day. That's one of my favorite sayings. Just try to win the day and, you know, your best, not you giving your best. It might not be your best every day, but if you give your best, you can't fail. So, um, that was one book that really, really touched me. Uh, there's so many different podcasts I listen to, um, actually listen to the learning leader show. Um, I, I love to grow and learn. Um, so, ha, huh, you know, I would say those are, are a couple of the things that stand out in my mind. No, oh, I love it. Um, I, and I'm like, I'm with you, audible books, podcasts, like yes, any of the audible. listening, <laughs> any of the listening, yes. especially for those of us, us with just like one working eye who like maybe have visual strain, like, let's just make it easier. <laughs> um, no, for sure. And don't, you know, like when you're in the doctor's office and you get dilated, uh, and you can't see a thing, yeah, you, you can't see your phone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're sitting there for hours, but we have audible, you know? And so that's where, you know, we turn the pause. No, we can't read a book, but we can listen to one. So, you know, yes, you just, I love you just that. pivot. <laughs> yes, so. you pivot, you adjust. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's just wrap up and just to, to kind of wrap up, uh, at the end, I would, I wanted to have your website for people to contact you and then also talk about the documentary and how people can watch that. Okay. Well, um, you can contact me at JackieStyles.com. So like I said, if you need anything, please reach out. If you contact me through there, it goes directly to my email. And also, um, a movie was just done about my life. Now, I never in my wildest dreams envisioned a movie being done about my life, but it premiered March 1st in Springfield, Missouri. And it, it talks a lot 
about my cancer journey in that. And I'm actually leaving to New York on Friday. It got accepted to the Stony Brook Film Festival. So I will be, yeah, going there and, and watching the movie. And then um, on August 30th, it will be available on uh, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, uh, uh, Vudu. So, but I'll keep everybody updated if you contact me through my website on, on where they can see that movie. And I just heard that it will be showing in theaters and Springfield, Missouri, at least um, for a week in September. So exciting things. And, you know, when I was asked, hey, you know, will you let this movie be done about your life? I thought, you know, if it could help one person, you know, be more and, um, you know, do more then it was well worth my time. So um, like I said, it does talk about my ocular melanoma journey and you see my eyeball on the big screen. So those pictures I talked about earlier, they made the movie. So there we yeah, go. So check it out. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear more about that as it becomes available. Um, so keep us posted for sure. Um, well, I guess like, thank you again, Jackie, for being here. Thank you guys. Anyone who's listening, listening. Um, we really just, we appreciate anyone who is, is courageous enough and, and takes the time to come and share their story. Because like you said, you just, you never know that what sharing your specific unique story will do for just one person. Um, just as we end, I guess, just a final plug. If you guys are listening and, uh, sharing this or, you know, sharing this with other ocular melanoma friends or with friends or family who maybe are familiar with Jackie or with her story as a basketball player, um, or really any of the podcast episodes. And you have the time to just take, um, take a moment, head to our Venmo or head directly to a place where you can donate. Um, if we had say a thousand people listen and they each donated $5, then we could raise $5,000 for ocular melanoma. So, um, I guess I would just encourage you guys, you know, one, reach out, talk to people, be open about your journey, even if it's just in a private, you know, in a private message to someone, um, understand that your impact is felt, even if it's just by one person. And then also, um, let's just, let's use our impact and let's, let's use that in a way to pay it forward in big ways for research, for patient care, all of those kinds of things, um, just to benefit the patients who, like you said, who go through, go through insurance or who, who need uh, that extra support. Um, and also of course for research, that's, that's how, that's how things like, um, finding cures and finding treatments becomes possible is, you know, because they're, they're funded by, by people helping spread the word about this cancer. So, um, thank you again, Jackie, for being here and for helping participate in this awareness and, and just sharing your message. I feel like it was such an, such an inspiring and enlightening, um, conversation. So thank you. Well, no, thank you. And thank you for all you do, um, to support our cause. I appreciate you so much. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences and produced by Agora Media. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.